As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to On Farm. It's Anna here with you this week. Back in March of 2023, I spoke with Donald McSween and um, Will Evans, both of whom have received a relatively late in life, as in in their 30s or 40s, diagnosis of ADHD. You said, Will, that when you read, you first read a, a list of symptoms, you were going to thinking oh I tick I tick every box here yeah it was quite funny really when you when you see the list it, it was oh yeah that's me <laughs> that's me so it was, I'm, I'm good I'm going to interrupt you will just because that's an idiot <laughs> interrupt people. we talked about all of the different symptoms and experiences that they have gone through uh, both before during and post uh, diagnosis uh, recently uh, ADHD has been back in the news diagnoses have increased by I think seven times in the last 10 years so that's good news in that people have got more of an understanding of ADHD and how it can be managed. Um, So bringing you this episode again um, because it's hugely insightful and thoroughly in my opinion thoroughly worth listening to so I hope you enjoy and I hope you find it useful and you never know it might just strike a chord for you or somebody you know and ultimately leads to offering them some assistance so that's what I hope. So thank you both for joining me. Will, your article for the Farmers Weekly suggested and I'm totally in agreement that this is something we should all be talking about more and I wonder if you could perhaps just tell us a little bit about writing the article and what came before that. Yeah um, I I think I've been on a bit of a learning uh, journey, terrible word journey, but I think I have over the last few months with with this. I, I was very unaware of it, and then I was following a conversation on social media between two people who were talking about ADHD, and they were talking about some of their symptoms and and, and what that meant for them. I just thought, well, all of those symptoms are me, so I messaged them and had a conversation with them about it, and then started looking into it. So I started off doing a few online tests and things like that, which all indicated that I was pretty severe with it and then I got in touch with my GP and had a chat with them they were actually really good I've heard I've heard from a lot of people it can be quite difficult to get a, a diagnosis but it was it was fairly straightforward for me they referred me spoke to someone about it um, did sort of some tests and and they also agreed that I was severe it's actually been a revelation I, I guess all these things that I've spent years beating myself up over and thinking what, what what's wrong with me why can't I do this or why what why why can't I do that in the right way I suddenly realized why in many ways it's a big um big weight off my shoulders I'm sure it must be and like with many things you've been 
quite comfortable with with sharing that journey. I think we're all grateful for that because I think you know it's perhaps something that not everybody is keen to talk about because it feels very personal and not everybody's keen keen to open up. Donald, do you sh- share a similar diagnosis journey to Will or is is yours a bit different? I think mine's a little bit more complicated. I think I've been aware of something for probably as I the, got into my mid to late 30s. I used to play a lot of football, but then I kind of semi-retired as a, a you know into my 30s and I didn't do the pre-season training and I think as I got a little bit less fit that you know symptoms started leaking out a little bit more. And I first went to my GP in 2018 when I was, I would have been 34 then. I remember I went in and I said to him, I think I'm ADHD. And he went instantly, no, you're not. There's no way you are because you've achieved too much. Mm. And I was like, okay, right, fine. Obviously, you, you, know, you know best. And uh, he stuck me on antidepressants, which was rubbish, waste of time and everything. And... Probably then with lockdown, and I don't know if you're if you're on TikTok much, but TikTok and Instagram right now, it's just it just everybody's ADHD. Maybe that's my the way the algorithms work for me, but it's like it feels like it's fashionable to be ADHD mm. right now, and it's also equally fashionable to be like, oh, you're just making excuses for being lazy or you know not not being not working hard enough or or whatever. And I went back to my GP in the autumn last year, I think it was August, August, September, and I was told it was going to take probably two years to get a diagnosis locally. And the thing with ADHD is you are <laughs> impulsive and impatient. Yeah. So I did, did a little bit of research and I went down the private route. And it did cost me a thousand pounds, but I think that going private and investing that money, I think will be beneficial in the long run if I improve my productivity and actually finish all the projects that I that I start. So I'm I'm probably a, a wee bit behind Will in that I was diagnosed two weeks ago and I haven't started my medication yet and I'm just desperately keen to get going. Wow, yeah. So I mean this is this is still news that you're processing, I suppose. You know, you say you you, you had a feeling, you thought you, you thought you knew yourself, but um this is very new to you. Has it been a common thing whereby people have been to the GP and they've been put on antidepressants as the apparent solution to to what's going on without being given a, a, a proper diagnosis? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I suppose we all appreciate the the pressure that the NHS and, and GPs are under at the moment so I guess that's probably a factor I mean I think it was perhaps easier for me because you know I've I've talked about depression issues I've had before I I'm, I'm flying at the moment I'm really good at the moment but I mean at the end of sort of last year I wasn't I was sort of having a bit of a dip and I and I therefore keep in touch with my GP and I when I got in touch with him about it, first of all, ADHD, I said, I think this might be a big contributor to, to, to reasons why I've had depression over the last few years. And they luckily could see where I was mm-hmm. coming from. Yeah, just just sort of, I find it very hard to take in information via conventional ways. So, you know, this is a classic, but sort of sitting in this. And one of the reasons why I actually think it's probably very common in the farming community, because you hear this story all the time. School, I just spent the whole time staring out the window because I couldn't, take in information mm-hmm. and I still struggle but of course as you get older you learn to uh, adapt don't you and I know I I find a really classic one with me and I just thought this was a quirky thing I did I've now realized it's an ADHD thing is that I leave notes all the time for for future will 
so I know that I will struggle to retain information. So an example is how to use the GPS on our on our tractor. So in the autumn, I spend a lot of time in the autumn sowing crops using the, the GPS and I know exactly how it works. I know that by spring I'll have completely forgotten how to use it. So I leave myself little, I have a little notebook that I carry everywhere with me and I've, where I draw little like childish flow charts, you know, the kind of things you did in home economics in school, you know, for, for recipes with how to do this stuff. And, you know, I, I think I've spent sort of 40 odd years thinking that's because I'm a bit stupid. Well, now I, now I know that it isn't, it's just a coping mechanism mm. and that's just fine. And I, and I get, and I get, I get by with with that but i'm i'm sure there are lots of other people who who have similar but, but what really struck me about that story but also about because you specifically mentioned it in your article farmers weekly article when we when we talk about symptoms we're not talking to me this the word symptom is a bit is a bit inappropriate actually because it implies that it's, there's something wrong they're not symptoms really they're characteristics really but what you talked about is the fact that that not all of the symptoms are negative there are positives here and for me writing a procedure of how to, to operate something in a notebook is a, a really positive thing because as you say you're helping your future self but you potentially could be helping other people who need that same procedure so sim- the symptoms if let's just carry on using that word because it's easier to suppose but they're, 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 they're not all negative there are loads of positives in here about the way in which you interact with people as a result of of the ADHD you mentioned about you know you've got you've got a really high em- level of empathy for other people and you think that that is is connected to the mm-hmm. ADHD can, can you talk us maybe through that in a bit more detail yeah so that's a, a, another thing that I was sort of quite interested to find out because the, I, I mean it's that classic thing of being labeled at sort of bleeding heart or, or whatever isn't it but I mean I, I remember as a kid and there's been loads of things but I remember when the Hillsborough disaster happened so I was very young I was so upset by like ridiculous I mean I obviously obviously everybody was upset about it but I was ridiculously upset about it you know I, I was so affected by it mm. even as a small child so much so my parents still talk about it and I've always been like that and I mean I, I, I almost can't watch the news anymore because I just get so affected by sad stories it can be great because, uh, you know, I'll, like a lot of farmers, I'm happy to help anybody. But it can also be a problem because you end up doing, you, you you can't say no to anything. So you say yes to everybody and it's to your own detriment because you end up so run ragged that you your own things get neglected. In one way, it looks like a good thing, but it, if you're not, if you don't manage it carefully, that can get you into trouble mm. as it has with me in the past. And um yeah, it just just realizing that that is a classic ADHD thing is, again, just a big, oh, okay, that's that's really useful to know because now I can manage it. But there, there'll be people listening though who'll go, oh, you know, you're just making a big deal out of nothing, and yeah, and it's like everybody everybody does that. But yeah, everybody, lots of people do that. But it's just so difficult to explain the extreme kind of it's it's not just an emotional impact it sometimes has it, it often for me it has a physical impact on me like that 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 kind of that kind of um yeah. the, the empathetic element of it 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 has a physical el- uh, impact where i i can't i can't function yeah yeah it's, and and me as well and it, it it'll literally keep me awake at night so you know i don't i mean i don't sleep at the best of times but which, which apparently again is a big ADHD thing I don't know I'd imagine there's an awful lot of people the same but you know those things will wake me up in the night and then I don't sleep and then and then you you know that all the knock-on effects with that as well so yeah I, I, I know exactly what mm. you mean. 
Donald, Donald, coming back to you, you know, this is so recent, your official diagnosis two weeks in, but when you understand and learn more about the various symptoms, how how are you kind of uh, attributing those to yourself and, and, and uh, understanding those? Are there some that really stand out or are you like Will and, and kind of you can understand kind of all of them as, as being relevant to yourself? Yeah, I, I think I can I can see them all as, as being, being relevant to me. Um, in different ways it, it i found it a massive relief because it's like why why can't i, I remember in you know in school so in, in scotland we had standard grades and then we went on to hires and you know i breezed through my standard grades didn't have to do any work at all and then when it came to the hires when i actually had to study i i, I remember now just sitting in the room doing what i saw other people do on tv and stuff setting everything out and then just not being able to not been able to do anything, you know, not. And then I went to uni to do maths, maths and physics. I was brilliant at in school. I found them really easy. And when I went to, when I went to uni, I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. And I, lo- I just lost my, my mojo and I dropped out and I was home for, home for lambing. Then eventually I did do a, a degree locally. Um, but my mum my was in charge of the course and basically cracked the whip all the time. <laughs> so that's what that's what got me through my through my degree. I couldn't I couldn't not just um, avoid doing doing the essays or whatever. So uh, yeah, it was it was um, really you know I I can look back and and I remember I, I went self employed in two thousand and seven. And I did a wee interview with a local paper, and I always remember the uh, a, a wee snippet of what I said was, "I don't like doing the same thing two days in a row because I get bored really easily." Yeah. And you know that was me. That was how I thought of it at, at the time. But now looking back, I was like, "Yeah, I did get bored really easily," and uh, and and that that was my ADHD. And every job that I did, I'd be there maximum two years. Because I just, and I went, and I, you know, I was a broadcast journalist with the BBC for a while. I went all in, all guns blazing. Oh, I love this. This is brilliant. Two years down the line, I'm like, okay, done. I'm bored. I, I can't be bothered with this anymore. That's all the kind of negative things. There are, there are positives. And I've always thought of myself as, as, as lazy. I think I've always thought of myself as lazy because I, I never had the, the, the energy or the impetus to, to complete things. But by being lazy, I was working smart, not hard. So I, mm. I always find ingenious ways of making things easy because I know that when I come back to completing a, a job later, I know I'm not going to want to do mm. it. So I have to almost trick myself, trick my brain into doing it or, or make it as, as easy as, as possible. And that, that's worked for me. And then from the TV side of things, Ramesh Ranganathan, the comedian, he did his during lockdown. They had the um, his, he's got his misadventures program. I know, I, I saw, I saw you on there. Yep. So, so I was his guide and his kind of co-host for the for a week going around the Hebrides. But I, I always think that ADHD got me that gig because his producer came out like a month beforehand, and she came out of her car to come and visit me. And, you know, I'm like six foot four and she was about five foot. She came out and I just went, wow, you're really small. And, uh, you know, I just blurted it out. And she, I didn't think, I didn't know this at the time. But then, you know, when, when, when we were doing the programme, she said, you know, this is what happened. And when you said that, that's when I thought, this is the guy for the, this is the guy for the, for the, for the gig. So it has opened doors and given me opportunities as well that I maybe would not have, uh, ha- have had necessarily otherwise. Yeah. But I suppose though I wonder, and this applies to both of you equally, I guess. But Donald, had you been diagnosed at nine 
rather than 39. Oh, jeez. What, what do you think? that Would that have made any difference? You know, you'd have had clarity, but what about the way in which you operate life and the way in which you run your business? Do you think that would be different? I think I'd have more money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing. Because yeah. it's just the impulsivity would have been, I think, would have been... I haven't started the, the, the medication, but I think that's one thing that I have definitely felt a little bit frustrated in recent weeks where I've been like, what if this had happened when I was nine or 19 or even 29? I think it would have made a, a, a difference mm-hmm. in, in regards to business. I, I think I think possibly I would have been employed by, by somebody, you know, rather than go out on my own and be self-employed and do what I want when I want because I, I need that freedom. I, I think, you know, part of me thinks that I'm probably... At times, it's very difficult for me to be employed by somebody. Not, not, yeah. not, not making a good <laughs> sales pitch <laughs> here just now, but I, I need to be my own boss. If somebody asks me to do a job today, I'm not necessarily going to be able to do it. Like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I had in my head that I, w- I wanted to go fencing. And I did nothing that week but fencing for the whole week. And I knew I have to finish this fence now because if I don't finish it now, It'll be maybe in a year's time before I before I finish it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will, what about you? Do you know? I know you mentioned that that there was frustration that you wish you'd known this sooner. Do you think it would have, have altered the trajectory of your life if you'd known at fourteen instead of forty four? Yeah, I think so. I think I think I think it would. I mean, I um, I think it would have just given me a lot more self confidence. If nothing else, uh, you know, I really did spend a, a long time. A bit like Donald just said, really, I was almost, I um, wouldn't say I was afraid to leave the farm, but I wouldn't have had the self, self-belief self to do so. So getting involved with wider industry things like I have over the last few years, which has, I guess, come almost a bit accidentally, but I regret not doing that sooner because I told myself, I think for a long time, that this is all I can do. This is the only thing I can do. And and now I obviously I, I realise I, I, I can do other things and I, I can make a positive contribution. So maybe wouldn't have had the sort of mental health issues that I've had um, as well. Maybe, maybe that would have helped. I learnt from having read your article, I didn't know at that point that self-esteem and anxiety were, you know, were, were symptoms. I think that's not something that, that is kind of in the, the public domain particularly. Maybe it's because the definition of ADHD is lacking in a little bit of clarity or, or that was well, certainly the acronym anyway how might people be feeling you know, when we talk about self-esteem and, and anxiety how might people be feeling if if they're wondering that that perhaps ADHD is something that, that they're likely to be diagnosed can you maybe share some of how how you felt will in that regard um yeah, I think it, I mean if you if you go out to anxiety, I mean I, I suppose the important thing to say is with it, there's a long list of symptoms, and people with ADHD don't. I mean I I've got nearly all of them, and it sounds as if Donald does as well. But sometimes you might not have all of them. Again, again, I'm sort of speaking as if I'm an expert, but I'm still very early stages with this myself and learning. But there's some really good podcasts and um, blogs out there that you can find out about this. The anxiety thing is. Um, I mean, I think, I don't think that'll ever leave me. So sorry, I was going to a conference not long ago on the train and I've done a lot of this kind of stuff over the last few years. Should be perfectly normal. But 
you know, I was halfway there and, and I just wanted to go home, I, you know, on the train. I, I was just, I'm going to this, I'm going to see loads of people. I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. All I want to do is go home and be on the farm. So I guess that I would imagine is probably quite a common thing, that sort of social anxiety aspect of it. I don't know, don't know whether Donald would agree, but it's just sort of learning, I suppose, that that, thing, that sort of stuff's okay. You know, it's all right to feel like that. It's just giving mm. yourself permission to to know that that's all right. You're not weird or different or, or or stupid for feeling like that. You're just just part of it. It's just the way you're wired and that's okay. Yeah. Donald, that's definitely a question that I'd like to ask you if that's okay. Because I think to the outsider, you know, people have seen you on television. They've heard Will's podcast in the past. You know, the outsider thinks, God, these two guys, like they've totally got it sewn up. They're confident. They know what they're talking about. They're running successful businesses. There's probably a lot of people out there who are envious of the pair of you because they think that, you know, you've got confidence in abundance. I mean, it, it comes in comes in waves. I think I think a lot of people will will who who've met me in um, in person or know me in Lewis and Harris will think that I'm massively confident, bordering on arrogant at times. And no, you know, that's, no, no, that's no, fine. No. It's it's it, but it, but it, I, I've often thought about that 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 might be that might be like a kind of defense mechanism as well that I can appear confident and arrogant, so then people don't try and get to know me because. I don't want them to get to know me because it's it's just easier, and then probably a mix of all 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 the things that you've just said and what what Will said about the empathy earlier. I'm remembering now that time I did go into the doctor to discuss the ADHD for the first time. It was a doctor I'd never met before, and I went in and he goes, "Oh, you're Sweeney. I've seen you on the telly. I love all your programs." So I was like. Why? No, I don't want this. You're making a big deal of it. And then I went like, I think I'm ADHD. And his face dropped. And I left that, 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 that appointment feeling more sorry for him than I did for myself because I, I could see how his face dropped and he realised that he built me up huh. and then, then just watched his own opinions crumble right, right in front of him. It's interesting you say that though, Donald, actually, because I read about that the other day. And this was another sort of penny drop moment for me because I was in a meeting not long ago and there were 16 of us sort of boardroom and I was was chairing the meeting. I think it was four hours. We had a break in the middle, obviously, but it was a four hour meeting. That's a painful. It was, I mean, I love it. And they're, they're, you know, brilliant team of people. I love them all. But I find that that environment really difficult. And I I read read something that... um, as we talked about some of the positive impacts, one of the positive things about ADHD is you can be very creative and um, creative thinking and you can think differently. And basically it said that that's like the nightmare scenario for ADHD people. Really, you need to be walking around in a meeting and waving your arms about. And that's exactly me. That's it, you know, that would work so much better for me. But of course, the challenge is you're probably going to annoy everybody else in the room because you're walking around like a clown waving your arms around. So I guess it's it's that sort of finding well, that balance. Well, well ev- the number of times that I've been told by directors on TV is stop waving your arms around because I'm just yeah. going for it, you know, getting getting animated. And I, and I need to do that. Yeah. Like I, I must have Italian blood in me because I talk through my hands so much. <laughs> No, but it, it was just one of those things that I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about, and then it, it was oh 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 that's an ADHD mm. thing as well, and so now but, now but, I know but, that. But, but, but see, the, the question I've got is 
Why do we sit down and not move about in meetings? Why aren't meetings more mobile? Would it, would not everybody not yeah. be better off having a bit of energy in their meetings and not not being bored and switching off and yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe we should start changing things. Well, I mean, I've literally got a piece of paper next to me and I'm doodling as I talk with my with my pencil and I do this all the time. I I obsessively draw little stars. I do this in meetings, you know, so, so then people think I'm probably not listening, but I am listening. It's just that I have to put my energy somewhere. The ability to switch off and relax, that's something that I cannot do at all. Like to sit down and, and do nothing. I used to be able to do it. I used to, when I used to go to the mainland, I used to like going to the cinema and watching a movie on my own. But I, I, I think things have got worse, like I was saying, into my 30s and that. And I don't think I can watch a movie now without doing at least one other thing. I'll be on my phone. I might be eating and on my phone and watching a movie at the same time. I need to. I need so much more s- stimulation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the, the thing is, I can't switch off. I absolutely agree. And I, I mean, you know, I suppose that goes back to, to wondering whether there's an awful lot more people in the farming community than, than the wider community, maybe. Yeah, and classic, I definitely want to come on to that. It's a classic farmer yeah. thing, isn't it? Not being able to relax and uh, and not being able to stop yourself working, and and then all the associated problems that that can that can bring. But I mean, I do I do wonder whether there's an element of um, of, of smartphones and social media, whether whether the, whether they've all played havoc with our attention spans as well. But yeah, it's it certainly certainly find it very very difficult to relax. Mm. That was actually one of my questions, Will, whether you think that that mobile phones, I think there's no doubt that they play havoc with everybody's attention span. But do you think mobile phones are actually just another hindrance and something that's that's, that's just making things worse in terms of you know being able to concentrate and, and finish a job that you've started without being distracted? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so I, I I even have this with with my children. So for for children, and it, it, even though our girls are pretty outdoorsy, farm kind of kids, you know, like all parents, you still have that challenge at the moment of trying to keep them off screens because it's all mm-hmm. just so readily readily yeah. available, um, and it's finding a balance. You know, at the same time, you know, it is the year twenty twenty three, and you can't have them playing with a stick and a hoop all day. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it. it the, the temptation is there, but. I think I would find something else to play with and fiddle with if it sounds really dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I would find something else yeah, to distract yeah. me if it if it was a fact. There, there is always that kind of, um, I wish I could just, you know, not check, not refresh Twitter. Why am I refreshing Twitter? But I think I think I would, I think I'd, I'd, I'd need something else and I'd find something else to distract me. Yeah. Will, you mentioned in your article that you have a hunch that the prevalence of ADHD is stronger within the farming community than perhaps within other sectors of, of the UK or other, other you know, workforces. Can you tell us a bit more about that hunch and, and perhaps anything that you've read that would support that? Because it, it seems to make sense. Yeah, uh, it started with, with, a, with a friend of mine, actually, Ben Taylor Davis, who, who I was talking to him about this a while ago, and we were actually talking about dyslexia. So I know a, a hell of a lot of farmers who are dyslexic. I mean, I suppose I know a lot of farmers, so you could argue that that, that might be why. But it, it's not just sort of ADHD; it's, it's dyslexia, autism. There just seems to be a very high prevalence of that in the farming community. And I suppose much in the same way as you feel a relief 
in a sense, for, from having a diagnosis, you know, somebody somewhere undertaking some research to, to, to gain some clarity could provide a lot of wider relief, I suppose. We just we just don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a lot more prevalent than, than people realise. Even in the past two weeks since I tweeted saying, two weeks today I tweeted saying, you know, mm-hmm. I've, 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 I've got it. I've had so many people just messaging me saying, you know, they think ADHD is badly behaved kids in school you know there's the boy who's who's jumping around and and disrupting everybody else but there's I was always really well behaved in school I was academically decent in school until you know until I struggled to 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 study but people just think it's it's badly behaved teenage boys when there's so much more to it I did mention the start I, I manage my my local football team and the reason I mentioned it is that there's probably three or four players in the squad who I look at and I'm like, you're definitely ADHD. Even though I, mm. I, I, I have no expertise in the place, I just recognise so many traits. And I've said to one in particular who I, who I think, I can see him on a, he, you know, he, he's a little bit older and he, I can see him on a similar trajectory to how I think I was in that, in, into, into the 30s, things are leaking out a little bit more. And I said to him, this is what I think is causing it. I'm just encouraging you to go and get help because I think mm-hmm. it'll I think it'll benefit you. With my other hats hats on and presenting Farbshin Chonyhurdoch the Sheepdog Trials program on, on BBC All Up, and I'm always going around farmers throughout the UK and Ireland, and I've met loads of them and so many of these individuals who are great characters, but they're so up and down, a bit like how I am and 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 how how it sounds like Will is as well you know, really interesting characters and I would put money on a lot of them being ADHD. There is that stigma as well as as in, oh, you're ADHD, there's there's something wrong with you. You know, you're 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 a weirdo, you're a you're a mentalist or something like that. That that they, these nobody wants to admit to these things. And when I, two weeks ago when I when I went to you know, my, my, my neighbour up the road and I went up to him and I told him that I was ADHD. He'd never heard of of, of it before and then I was like you know when I like do a you know I'm working on a project and then I never finish it and then he and he interrupted me and he goes so is this like the days I go in and your sheep are all over the place and I phone you and I and, and I go how are my sheep out and, and, and then he says because you forgot to close the gate and I was like yes that's it that's exactly it so he's like okay I understand it now I understand the impact that it has and the number of times that I've just gone and I've just driven out of a field on the quad and forgot to close the gate or something, or no, or or been like, I can't be bothered tying the gate today. It'll be fine. So I, I think there's there's it is it is out there a lot, mm. and I think once you explain it to people, remove that stigma, make it a little bit easier. I think I think people will recognise a lot yeah. of the issues. I certainly think that the two of you today have dispelled the myth that ADHD is about naughty teenage boys, which you've just alluded to, Donald. And I think I think the other thing, which maybe we'll just very briefly touch on before we wrap up, um, just to be as clear as we possibly can, just so that we can be ultra, ultra clear, Will, if there's somebody out there thinking that they recognise a lot of the, the symptoms that you've talked about, what would you advise would be the first step that they should take on, on their journey to, towards a potential diagnosis? Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some really good um, online tests for this, which I think aren't aren't necessarily the 
Um, you, you shouldn't rely on them, the same as you probably shouldn't rely on, on anything online for a diagnosis, but they're quite a good early step. So you, they, they might be sort of 40 questions and then, you know, the, those kind of things that sum your response up. So I guess it gives you a bit of a guide and then you can you can go on and speak to your GP from there. I, I would I would I know that there has been there is a there is a sort of um, a thing out there that it can be very hard to get a diagnosis. But as we've said, I, th- I guess the more people who do talk to the GP about this, the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. One thing one thing I would say, yeah. and, and just sort of following on on from something that Donald said there, and that was really I was sort of smiling because that that makes a lot of sense to me, and it's been something that I think people around me have got very frustrated with over the years and I, I, I partnership with my mum and dad to work with work with them and and my wife as well on the farm and um I wanted to say to people who, who are sort of maybe grappling with this is that I've had nothing but a hugely positive response and even from from my parents I, I spoke to them about it and now, now suddenly they realize that's the way so already my dad has kind of changed the way he so sometimes if I've been away for a day or two I walk in the yard and my dad sort of comes over we got oh we need to do this and we've got this we need to do this and this needs to in and we've got to catch up with this and blah blah and it, he might as well be speaking greek to me it all goes over my head because he speaks so he speaks so fast to me and nothing goes in and he's got really frustrated with me over the years that i haven't he thinks i'm just not listening <laughs> or i don't care it's not it's not that mm. it's just that i can't take it in so it doesn't do that anymore so you know my dad's you know a 70 year old farmer he's pretty set in his ways but We've had a really positive response, and then I, the, the the sort of Oxford Farming Conference team as well. As soon as I found it out, I told all them we were, we were having a Zoom meeting. I told them all and said, "Look, I don't want any frustrations to build up. This is you, so you know this mm-hmm. is the way I am. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to get excuses in for sloppy work or anything like that. But just just know that that I communicate differently and I think a little bit differently. And again, I've had a really 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 positive response. You know, I think everyone was appreciative. That, that I told them so in my very sort of rambling way and what I'm trying to say is that people are not going to judge you badly or anything like this you know pe- people just want to help and support and I think um, yeah if you're open about it then people will will help you. One of the things with agriculture is record keeping and filling in forums and that is one thing I struggle with an awful awful lot and it's not like that I'm that I'm it's not out of any badness. It's I'm I'm trying and I want to and I can sit there all the time and think I've got to update my sheep records, got to update my sheep records. I hope I don't get an inspection. I hope I don't get an inspection. You know, stuff like that happens all the time. And and it's just, I just sometimes I physically cannot do it. So I, while it's okay us talking about it, the system doesn't really no. accommodate no. A, accommodate anybody who who doesn't conform. Uh, and like you're saying, well, you know, we, we think there are so many people who are ADHD in the agricultural sector. The form filling and the, the admin stuff in my crofting life is more than anything else that I do. So it's a real struggle. And, 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 and you know, like I said before, I'm a counsellor as well, and that involves lots of paperwork and reading papers and things like that. And I'm trying to think of a way. I would love there f- for there to be software that would just put it all into audio format. And then when I'm out working on the craft, I can listen to it all. Uh, <laughs> listen to it. It goes in. It doesn't, it, it doesn't necessarily stick there. Because like one of the things with ADHD, you can be reading a bit of paper. And I can read every single word on a, on a page. But it doesn't mean I'm going to absorb all, all these things. So... I think that's that's the thing that the system 
I would love for the system to be able to accommodate this kind of issue a, 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 wee, a wee bit more. That, that, would, that would be useful. If you think that there's something different about you, go find out about it. I, I, I saw, I saw a, a video on social media and it was, you know, they, they, call, they call people with, with ADHD uh, neurodivergent and they, and they were saying people who aren't neurodivergent don't go looking for this information. You know, it's not something that's on their radar. If you are neurodivergent, then you're like, "Why am I different? Why, why am I looking for something?" These. Are, so if you if you're if you've got questions about yourself, go get answers. Don't don't just sit and wait. Do it now. Because, okay, we said, what would my life have been like if it had been done at nine instead of thirty nine? Well, at least at thirty nine and not sixty nine. Spot on. Thank you so much, both of you, for your openness your honesty the level of detail that you've given us as well has been really great sharing examples because it's all it's all helping to to give people a greater understanding so thank you both very much for taking part we'll share this as widely as we can and and make it our mission to to ensure that more people have got a true understanding of what adhd means hopefully we'll have you both back on the podcast again in the future thanks Anna. pleasure thank you very much so thank you once again to Donald and to uh, Will for, for their openness and honesty there. And thank you also to Bell Ingram, our new sponsors of the podcast. That's it from me and uh, I shall sign off and we'll be back again next week. <laughs>